Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. Especially after such an uneventful week, you know. Um, (laughs) If you have your Bibles, would you open with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41, and I'll be reading from the ESV translation. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have it on the screen here. Um, but it's, it's a famous story by Jesus, obviously, <laughs> um, and uh, it's when he calms the storm. And verse 35 starts out, and uh, it says this, On that day, when evening had come, he has said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, uh, or he awoke, and rebuked the winds, or the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for your presence this morning. And I ask you right now, God, that you open up our hearts to receive the word that you um, want to say to us, Father. Father, I pray that in this crazy, chaotic time that you give us calm. Father, that you would calm 2020 in general. I think we're sick and tired of surprises. Uh, But Lord, while this is going on, that we would run to you for answers, for hope, for refuge, for shelter. And Father, I pray that this morning we would leave out of this place resting in your peace. Father, we trust in you. We put everything we have in your hands, in your name. Amen. Powerful story, isn't it? You know, I uh, always like to pride myself that I try to stay above the fray. What I mean by that is if I have a whole bunch of friends of mine that are so into football, I try not to watch it because, first of all, I don't care about football, and it's easy. But for those who care about football, they are so excited when their team wins. The problem is when their team loses... I have a specific friend of mine who I like to really always tease him when Seahawks lose. And I'm like, well, they weren't good to begin with. And he just gets so frustrated. Like, you don't, you just don't understand. And I enjoy doing that. (laughs) But I always like to think that I'm above, I'm above watching football. I'm above the fray. I'm above the, you know, the emo- your emotions being entangled into a game that nobody's going to care about five years from now. So now, how, now you really know how I feel about football, but I, I like to think that I, my heart doesn't get entangled in the temporary things of this world. I like to think that. If you hang out with me, you know that I have this thing that I always say that um, um, do all things in light of eternity, you know. So I always think that I don't want to get involved in things of this world because it's just temporary. But this Tuesday and then this Wednesday, man, um, 
My doctor told me that I should record my blood pressure the whole month because she wanted to see like a, a chart of all every single day. So I've been doing that. And, you know, he started really high because he runs in the family and all, but he started really high. And I was so pri uh, prided uh, on, the, on the fact that I was able to, to lower it every single day. I was stopped drinking coffee. And on Wednesday morning, I mean, that thing just like, you know, skyrocketed. And if you look at the chart, you look how my blood pressure went from like 125, I think it was, to like 140. And you know what happened Wednesday morning? It was the day after elections. And uh, driving to a friend of mine that Wednesday night, I was really thinking about it. And I, you know how it was really chaotic the last you know, week or so? And those two days, especially on Tuesday and on, on Wednesday, and uh, I was driving home, and I remember the Lord just convicting my heart, saying, but I thought you're above this. I thought you're above getting involved with your heart in politics and, and games and all of that. I thought you trusted me. Where is your hope? Where, where have you put your hope? Have you put your hope in a person, or did you put your hope in me? We do this with relationships. We do this with a lot of things. And we'd like to think that, no, we trust Jesus. And we say things, cliche, we even said it on stage today, that you know what, it doesn't matter who's in the White House because we know we trust Jesus. He's the king. And those things are true. But if we're really honest with ourselves, a lot of times we say those things just because we don't want to really go in details about how we really feel. Because we are entangled. We do care because elections do have consequences. And when somebody loses, is difficult. And this week, we never even knew, we still don't know who won really. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because 2020 has been a storm. It started out with, you know, the, the fires in Australia and then the pandemic. And if there's anything about letdowns is that we had really high expectations. And I think when we started in 2020, everyone talked about how, you know, God has a great plan for your life and you have vision 2020. You know, remember those, those messages before, right? And in December, and then January and February hit. And I don't know where that vision 2020 really went because there is a lot of letdowns. Let's see what let us down. I don't know, the government, science, you know, when it comes to the pandemic, um, elections, <laughs> ballots, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know what else let, let you down this year. And you slowly realize that everything that we've put our trust in, it starts to kind of let us down. I don't know, police, your neighbor, maybe your church because it was open or not open. And we have created systems and we've done all these things and then we have all these expectations of who's going to win and how things will turn out and they don't turn out and then we are let down and we walk around defeated. We walk around in fear and we don't know what's going to happen. And then we have to do some sort of, uh, you know, a, cert, uh, a search of our soul and think, Lord, where is our trust? Where is our hope? There's a story in me in history where Martin Luther uh, the reformer, uh, he, you know, he was really happy most of the time, but he had these bouts of depression. And one time, no matter what he would do, he couldn't break out of this depression that he was going through. And his wife dressed up all in black. And at that time, 
the only time you dressed up all in black is if you went to a funeral. So he came out and he, he looked at, uh, I think her name is Catherine Van Bora. And he says, okay, who died that you dressed up all in black? And she looks at him and says, God, God died. And he was obviously kind of startled, like, what are you, what are you talking about? He, and she's like, well, you're acting like God died. You're acting like you just went to God's funeral. God is alive. Stop acting like he, he died. Where is your hope? When I look at this story, you know, it starts out kind of interesting. That says, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. So Jesus is telling his disciples after a day full of teaching, and he's extremely exhausted at this point. He says, hey, we have a goal, and the goal is to get to the other side. Verse 36 says this, and leaving the crowd, they took with him in the boat. Well, he, they took Jesus in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great uh, windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling, I'm guessing with water, obviously. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So what's happening is Jesus is sleeping in the stern of the boat, and the storm starts, and everyone is panicking. And to me, it's interesting, this whole story, because I'm like, well, you guys are fishermen. It's not like you guys have, you guys have been in the storm before, right? You guys have experience when it comes to the, this. Why is everyone just going crazy? You'd think they would know how to handle, uh, handle the storm, but turns out the storm was a bit harsher than they've experienced before. To the point where they're like, are we going to die? And they're just calling everyone, all hands on deck, and then... As they are trying to fight and, and navigate the storm, they realize, oh, but Jesus is asleep. And out of all the questions they could have asked him, he could have said, Jesus, could you do something about it? No, they come up to Jesus and say, Jesus or teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, they're questioning here God's character. I think a lot of times when we are going through a really difficult season of our lives, be it with a disease or illness, if you're going through uh, coronavirus, if you're going through uh, an election that didn't turn out the way you want it, or you know, maybe your business went under, when you're going through this time, a lot of time we start to not just question what we're going through, but we're questioning the character of God. God, do not care. God, do not see what's happening. God, how are we going to pull through? We had all this plan happening, God, and God sort of decided that that's not the plan he's going with because last time we checked, it was God making the plans, not us. Now, we can make our own plans, but it's God that sets the agenda. No matter who's in office, no matter what's going on in your life, you see, the reason Jesus was asleep during the storm is because Jesus trusted God. He trusted his Father. But when we're going through a storm, we start to question things. And this is what's happening here with the disciples. They come up to Jesus. And you'd think that these are people who follow Jesus. They've seen Jesus' faithfulness. They've seen blind eyes open and lame people walk. They've seen Jesus caring so much that he just spent the whole day teaching about the kingdom of God. They saw Jesus' goodness 
and that he truly cared about people. He truly cared about his disciples. How many times have they sat at Jesus' feet? And their response in a storm is, Teacher, do you not care? God, do not care that we're dying. I think when we're going through a storm, a lot of times we are blinded by the circumstances to the point where we don't really know who's on our side anymore. We are so blinded by what we're going through that we're starting to question, God, do you care? Because the gravity of the situation is a bit overwhelming. And at this point, I don't know what to do. Verse 39 says this, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Look, Jesus didn't just say this, and seven minutes later or ten minutes later, things started to calm down. No, the moment he said it, the wind stopped, the wave stopped. Imagine that. Imagine at a word, everything just stops. And you just went from fighting for your life to literally calm. That's what's happening here. And the reason I'm telling you this whole thing and I'm pausing so much is because I want you to understand that a lot of times we think that Jesus has, you know, power over our sickness and disease. Jesus has power over demons. Jesus has power over all these things that are, are somewhat alive. But here we see that Jesus has power over the sea, over the wind, over the storm. I don't know what disciples expected. I'm guessing maybe disciples expected that Jesus will wake up and give them a hand and try to navigate in the storm. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, peace, be still, and everything just calms. And it's so interesting because he looks at them and says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. Wait a second. At the beginning, we are told that they were in fear of the storm. And now the storm calms down and says, and they were in great fear. How did they go from fighting for their lives in fear and then everything calms down and now they're experiencing great fear. If you don't, if you, if you don't understand what I'm trying to say is, is their fear increased during the calm. Why? Well, we are told right here. So they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So they are just amazed. They thought, okay, well, this is just a teacher that knows how to do miracles, and we've seen, but then he commands the sea and the waves to stop, and they stop. You know, something amazing happens when you, when you see God's power in your life, and then the great awe and fear comes over, and you're like, this is not a teacher I'm dealing here with. This is God. I remember one time in North Campus, we, uh, we're doing a service, and I went to Starbucks because uh, I came really early. We got the stuff done, and I went to Starbucks to get a coffee. Came back, and by this time, the 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 
you know, the sanctuary was filled because we had a speaker and I didn't plan for that. So everything was, everyone was there. And so I, I kind of had to sit on the last row because everything was filled because of the guest. And as I'm sitting in the last, literally within five mi minutes of sitting down, this uh, girl, one of our worship leaders comes in and, sh and she says, Slavik, have you seen what's happening outside? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, there's a crazy guy outside and he's telling us to stop the church because there's cameras and the FBI is after us. And he's talking about Illuminati. And, and I'm like, so I am like, okay, well, something's happening. So I'm just gonna go and see what's going on. And by the time I walk out, there's a whole bunch of ushers and they surround this 15 year old kid that's like really skinny and all dressed up in white with a New Testament in, in hand. And he just, he's just going off at them. And he looks at me and he looks at me and just, everything changes. She's like, why are you coming out? And I'm like so confused at this point. And he looks at me and says, there are cameras, cameras, cameras. They're all everywhere. They're watching you. They're watching you. They're watching you. And at this point, I'm like, I am so confused at what's happening. And here you have her, I mean, his mom is, is basically kind of like pleading with the ushers to let him in the service. And she's like, stop the service. My son needs help. He's been up for five days. He's not sleeping. And he's just going like, he's attacking pretty much everyone. And at this point, I'm like, okay, I, I walk towards him and I just like, whoa. And he was like, don't touch me. And, and he's just going crazy. And at this point, I'm thinking like, what is happening? And I'm thinking as a good youth pastor would do, call the cops, call the police. <laughs> I mean, this is a situation. And you'd think that my first thought would be, let's pray. No, no, no. My first thought was, call the police. And then we keep on going back and forth for about 20 minutes. And then it dawns on me, well, since I'm a pastor, maybe I should pray. Like, maybe that would help. And I'm like, okay. And he, I'm like, so who are you? And he goes, I'm a prophet of truth. I'm a prophet of truth. And I'm like, okay, well, do you know who Jesus is? Like, he goes, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, if Jesus is Lord, let me pray for you. Right? And he's like, okay, but you got to pray with your hands high. You got to pray with your hands high. And I'm like, okay, my hands high. And as I'm lifting my hand, I just put my hand on him. And at this time I'm thinking like, first of all, if you are in a situation like this, don't close your eyes. I did because that's how I pray. But as I closed my eye and I put my hand on him and I started to pray for him, all the ushers just sort of surrounded him and his mom surrounded him and everyone started to pray. And I'm thinking like, he's gonna punch me at any minute now. Like I'm just expecting it, but everything is just quiet. Like I wish to tell you that it was maybe like over a minute. No, the moment I put my hand on him, everything just went quiet. And everyone was just, I could hear people praying, but I'm talking about from his side, everything went quiet. And we keep on praying for him for maybe, I don't know, maybe three, four minutes. And we get done and we kind of pull back and he looks at us. And I'm like, hey man, what's your name? He's like, my name is Ruben. And everyone's just like, the prayer just work? All the Christian professionals, <laughs> right? Did prayer just work? And his mom was thinking like, uh, this is the, the, the most calm I've seen him in five days. And I'm like, Ruben, do you know what just happened? He's like, well, yeah, I kind of remember, but not really. And I remember that moment I was just sitting there and I'm like, well, you know, I, I could have ended this way earlier if I just called on Jesus. 
You didn't have to go through 20 minutes of, of back and forth and saying crazy things that I just don't understand. Now, I still don't know what exactly happened. I don't know if he had, he was demon-possessed or schizophrenia. I don't know what was happening still. What I do know is when I prayed, things just calmed down. Everything just went away. His mom was just like, this is the first time we see him calm in five days. And he's just normal. There's power in prayer. There's power in going to Jesus. But when you go to Jesus, you also realize that who you're dealing with, you're not only dealing with the teacher here, you're dealing with God of the universe. I love how C.S. Lewis describes Jesus in Narnia because it's also biblical imagery. It says Jesus, you know, you've heard this, Jesus, the Lion of Judah. If you ever watched a lion, you know how so many lions, they're so, when you look at them, they are so kind. They have such kind eyes. But you don't want to mess with one. It almost like, it gives you this false, almost assurance because they're, they look like, oh, they're just, they're just like a bigger, you know, animal that's really kind. No, no, they're not. Be really careful. And I think a lot of times we think of Jesus as this nice person that just says nice things. Jesus is not some kind of yoga teacher. And we've sort of painted Jesus. No, Jesus is the line of Judah. He's God. He's not just a nice teacher. He moves in power. He can calm the storm. And if he can calm the storm, do you not think that you can find comfort and refuge in his protection? Regardless of what was, what's happening, there's a day of reckoning when we realize who Jesus is, and that's what disciples just realized here. He says they, were, they had even greater fear now because they're like, whoa, who is this? Well, this is the God who spoke everything into existence. This is the God who can tell the storms what to do. This is the God who can heal and restore. So in light of all this, how can we respond to what's happening with us in the modern day and age? Well, the same disciples that were with Jesus, they write later on in James 1, 2, and says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, or, in other words, firm and unwavering faith. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you might have, uh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So when we know who Jesus is, and we know that trials will come, we also need to know that in those moments we should count it all joy. Philippians four four says this: Rejoice in the Lord always. Always I will say, rejoice. We are told to rejoice. And why would God tell us to rejoice? I mean, when you're about, when you think you're about to die and you are told, oh, you just have to, just have joy. Normal people don't respond with joy to a threat. God is not telling you here to be, you know, gullible and just sort of, no, exercise wisdom. But when you're going through a trial, be it a sickness or a disease, 
or your business or wh whatever trial you're going through, we are told to have joy. And in Nehemiah 8.10 says this, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The reason we are told to have joy is because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The reason we've run to functional saviors like money, power, sex, popularity. The reason we, we run to these things is because we don't find our joy in Christ. We don't find our identity in Christ. We don't find our refuge in Christ. We don't find our, our food in Christ. We don't find our satisfaction in Christ. One of the craziest things that's happening right now is when we started to confuse people's sins with their identity. Where people look at their situation, they start to be defined by it. Well, I'm just an alcoholic. Well, I'm just a womanizer. Whatever the, the sin is, can I tell you this morning that your sin is not who you are? You might have an illness, but you're not the illness itself. You might have something in your life like an addiction, but in Christ, you are a new person. And you have the ability to leave you behind and be set free. But the way you are set free is by finding first who you are in Christ, finding your joy in Him so you don't have to run to all these other things that are sinful, to all these idols that are not God. Rejoice always. And I will say rejoice. So how do we respond in this time of, of trial after the election, after whatever you're going through? We start by rejoicing in who we are in Christ. And verse 5 in Philippians 4 says this, Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. And the next thing, after we find our identity and enjoy in Christ, the way we step out of that is with gentleness. So if you are, you know, driving with someone, working with someone, if you are going to school with someone that has a different view when it comes to politics, what you are encouraged here to do is to act in everything with gentleness, with reasonableness, because he goes on to say the Lord is at hand because the Lord's coming is near. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. So find yourself in Christ. Find your joy in Christ. The next thing is to walk in gentleness. When you're trying to tell people why you believe what you believe, walk in gentleness. Because ultimately you know that your whole goal in life is to preach the gospel until Christ is coming, and He's coming very soon here. And then we are told not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. So we are told that if you have anxiety, if you're anxious about anything, that you come to the Lord and pray. And we are told that with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So many times we are so worried about politics, about what's happening, but we don't pray about it. So if it's big enough to worry about it, it's big enough to pray for it. Stop worrying. I heard this expression that worrying is like a rocking chair. He'll give you something to do, but he won't get you anywhere. Right? I heard another quote that says that people can 
resist your preaching. People can resist when it comes to who you are as a person, but they just can't resist your prayer. If you have someone you disagree with and they're resisting you, pray about them. If you have an enemy that wants to destroy you, pray about them. If you feel anxious, make your request known unto God and get off social media. It doesn't say that, but that would help. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we find ourselves in Christ, when we have joy in Him, and we walk in gentleness, and anytime we get anxious and we have anxiety and we have problems, we take our request unto God. If we do these things, the peace of God, which, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. I've been, long, I've been alive long enough to know when George W. Bush was, was um, elected and then Barack Obama was elected. And every single time during the election, everyone was just kind of going crazy. But we're here. We made it through. The Lord is still faithful. And this too shall pass regardless of wins. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Is there any excellence? Is there any, anything worthy of praise? Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So before you post on social media that post or before you talk to anyone about politics, before you do anything, ask yourself, is it true what I'm about to say? Isn't it honorable? Is it just? Am I being just or am I being just very unfair right here? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is there any excellence in it? Is there anything worthy of praise? I know uh, we have two friends here in the house, Sarah and Daniel. They started a coffee shop and they called it Candor. I looked it up, actually, because I thought it was like, that's an interesting way to name a coffee shop. And it talks about how it's being frank, being open, being pure. I think you guys will open on Wednesday, right? Just try it out to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe. <laughs> She's like, maybe. <laughs> uh, but my whole point is that's as Christians, there shouldn't be any malice in us. We should be open and frank. And to pursue things that are honorable and true and just and pure and lovely and commendable. Is there any excellence in it? Is there anything worthy of praise? What if every single Christian took this standard and applied it to every single post, every single conversation, every single sermon, all of that? Because ultimately, our allegiance is not to a party, our allegiance is to Christ. Now, I know that that might sound a little bit cliche, but we really need to internalize that. And as much as I support Donald Trump right now, the moment, if 
Biden takes and he's president, I'll be praying for President Biden just as much as I'm praying for President Trump, just as much as I prayed for President Obama and Bush. We are told to pray for those in authority. And if you can't vote, but ultimately we know who's in control. Can any politician ever do something? God's like, whoa, what are we going to do now? Wait a second. The God who can tell the storm to stop. Do you really think he's phased by our political plays or power plays? Those things don't move him. He's the one who spoke everything into existence. He's the one who gave up everything for every single one of us to know him. Jesus didn't come and started to throw, overthrow the Roman government. No, he preached the kingdom of God. He didn't come to pass laws. Those laws are helpful, but he came here to change hearts. He didn't come and became a rebel in the sense of like trying to overthrow the government. No, he just installed a new one in our hearts. One that is not phased by cultures or languages or time. One that's going to last for eternity. So I'm going to ask you this morning, whatever you're going through, that you take and understand that Jesus cares. He so much cares, in fact, that no matter what is going on in your life, he can just speak a word and he can stop. But if he chooses not to, this is where maybe you can learn how to have joy in the midst of a trial. This is maybe a time for us to grow as Christians and to love people who disagree with us and to preach the, the Word of God and the Gospel everywhere that we go. Would you raise with me this morning? Thank you for listening to this podcast, and my hope is that this message inspired you to live in light of eternity. Please make sure to subscribe, and it would mean so much to me if you could rate and review this podcast. If you have an event that you'd like me to speak at, I would love for you to reach out to me via my website. You can also support this ministry via Patreon or the website. Thank you again, and God bless.